Welcome to the Morning Magazine on KGNU Community Radio. It's Friday, August 4th of 2023. I'm your host, Jack Armstrong. Up first on today's show, we hear about regional food insecurity. Then we're walking with KGNU's Shelley Schlender through Long Canyon in this month's edition of the Nature Almanac. Later, it's Sports Talk with Jimmy. And then .org, our Friday spotlight on local nonprofits. After that, it's Connections. Then, at 9.30, it's the Morning Sound Alternative with Dave McIntyre. That's all still coming up, but first, the headlines with KGNU's Benita Lee. Colorado Congressman Joe Neguse held an online press conference Wednesday urging veterans to file a claim for benefits before next week's deadline. The PACT Act, which greatly expanded VA health care, was enacted last year by President Joe Biden and Congress. The bill offers health care coverage to about 3.5 million post-9-11 veterans who may have been exposed to toxins such as burn pits during their service. Neguse, along with veteran services officials, is encouraging veterans to apply online or by phone to begin the process before the August 9th deadline. Senator John Hickenlooper is a co-sponsor on a bill that would increase seasonal labor limits. KGNU's Jacob Agatston has the story. The Bipartisan State Executive Authority for Seasonal Occupations Needing Additional Labor, or Seasonal Act, would allow for governors to petition to get more H-2B visas for businesses in need. H-2B visas allow migrant workers to hold temporary non-agricultural jobs. The Department of Homeland Security and the Department of Labor only issue 66,000 visas a year nationwide. The new law would allow states with unemployment rates at 3.5% for at least 9 of the 12 months prior to the submission to apply for more H-2B visas. Hickenlooper said he co-sponsored the bill because Colorado companies rely on H-2B visa workers and that there have been widespread worker shortages because available visas have not kept up with the demand for the visas. Any additional workers who are granted visas under this bill would be subject to current or future Department of Labor requirements. For KGNU, I'm Jacob Agatston. With Boulder continuing to face a housing crisis, city council members will soon decide whether to increase the number of unrelated people allowed to live together in a home. The suggested changes are intended to lower rental costs and increase affordable housing. According to Boulder Reporting Lab, the city's planning board had mixed reactions to a draft ordinance they reviewed last week. While advocates for the proposal said it would help reduce housing costs, opponents said raising occupancy limits to five unrelated people in a single-family home might result in landlords charging much more for rentals. The council is scheduled to hold a public hearing and vote on the proposed ordinance on August 17th. Both Longmont and Denver have major road work scheduled that might slow down commutes. In Longmont, Hover Street between Ken Pratt Boulevard and Pike Road is expected to be closed starting Monday next week through Friday. Pedestrians and cyclists will not be allowed access at the railroad tracks on Hover Street, but the Colorado 119 underpass will remain open. And in Denver, the intersection of Larimer Street and Northbound Spear Boulevard will be under construction starting today. 
A Denver hospital has teamed up with a music promoter to distribute thousands of naloxone doses and fentanyl drug strips to concertgoers this summer. The program is a partnership between AEG Presents and a CU Anschutz medical campus-sponsored campaign called Keep the Party Safe. Naloxone is used to reverse overdoses from opioids. There were almost 1,800 overdose deaths in Colorado in 2022 as use of the synthetic opioid fentanyl soared in recent years. A first-time expectant mother is experiencing relief from morning sickness, mood changes, and other typical pregnancy symptoms with the help of some herbal tea. Why is this news? Well, the mother-to-be is Irina, a 14-year-old orangutan who lives at the Denver Zoo. According to the Denver Gazette, when Irina started laying in her nest all day and lost interest in food and drink, her caretakers got creative. After some unsuccessful experiments with natural anti-nausea treatments such as ginger, zoo specialist Cindy Casaboon gave Irina a tea blend that had helped her during her own pregnancy and it worked. Now, Irina enjoys sipping the herbal tea with a straw or without, and even participated in a baby shower last week at the zoo where she opened gifts and had fun with the gift bags. Zoo officials say Irina is due any day now. Mostly sunny skies today with a chance of showers and thunderstorms afternoon. Winds could gust up to 22 miles per hour, In Boulder, a high near 88 and a low around 58. In Denver, a high near 89 and a low around 60. In Fort Collins, a high near 87 and a low around 57. For KGNU, I'm Benita Lee. You're listening to The Morning Magazine on KGNU. I'm Jack Armstrong. Next Thursday, Feed the Children, Boulder Voices for Children, and several Colorado natural products brands are partnering to provide 400 local kids and their families with backpacks containing school supplies, food and hygiene products. KGNU's Alexis Kenyon sat down with Wendy Henderson, a senior director of corporate partnerships, who says with Federal COVID-era SNAP benefits ending earlier this year and increased costs of living, more families are finding themselves wondering where they will get their next meal. Food insecurity is the lack of consistent access to enough food for every person in a household to live an active, healthy life. And so sometimes it can be a temporary situation or for a family it can last for a long time. Inflation has really exasperated food insecurity. In Colorado, one in 10 children are facing food insecurity, and one in eight children are food insecure throughout the United States. So that's 5.5 million children in the U.S. that live in households that experience food insecurity. So we have done this for several years, and Our work has become critical in the past few years, actually, as many families experience food insecurity for the very first time in their lives. In addition to giving out food at the event next Thursday, you're also giving out backpacks full of school supplies. Tell me about that. Yes. So according 
to recent research, the average parent will spend over $120 on school supplies. And then, uh, every year before school starts, families get a notice of all the different school supplies that they are supposed to bring to the classroom. And it's not possible for all families to budget that when they're already stretched with the mm. higher cost of living. So when you can't decide between an energy bill and rent, a backpack with school supplies is really difficult. So we're working to help fill that gap. And each family will receive backpacks containing essential school supplies, along with a 25-pound box of food, 15-pound box of hygiene essentials, and additional donated food from each of the participating Colorado natural brands. And it can mean that a parent can sleep at night. It means that a child is going to go to school with confidence, feeling as though they're not an outcast because they don't even have a pencil. They're going to have all the supplies they need to start off school on a good foot. I know you've been doing this for several several years. I'm curious, how are charitable giving levels? I know nationwide charitable giving has been down. Is that something you're seeing or struggling with? Well, yes, with the economy the way it is, with inflation and the ongoing food insecurity that has been increasing since COVID, businesses are in the same in a lot of the same situations. So there's some that still have supply chain issues. There's some that still have health issues with employees. So yeah, some people that we used to be able to count on regularly aren't able to do that anymore, but other organizations and manufacturers have stepped up. But, you know, there's always a need. Wendy Henderson is a Senior Director of Corporate Partnerships with Feed the Children. Wendy, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you so much. For more information about Feed the Children or ways you can support it, visit news.kgnu.org. For KGNU, I'm Alexis Kenyon. You're listening to The Morning Magazine on KGNU. I'm your host, Jack Armstrong. Up next is the Nature Almanac with KGNU's Shelley Schlender. It's August. What's happening in the natural world? Here are Steve Jones and Ruth Carol Cushman, co-authors of Wild Boulder County. See, there it is. Pine white. It's got black veins on the wings, and the females have red along the black veins. It's a white with black markings. It stays up in the ponderosas. We're at the upper end of Gregory Canyon in the stretch between Flagstaff Road and the beginning of Long Canyon. This area is especially good for butterflies because the many different kinds of wildflowers here provide nectar and serve as host plants for butterfly larvae. Also, there are a lot of pine trees, which is the reason we have so many pine whites. Ron Butler and Steve have conducted monthly butterfly surveys in Long Canyon for several years, and they have identified 65 species, including various swallowtails, little blues, sulfurs, painted ladies, and fritillaries. Here's a fritillary that's nectaring on a purple 
Monarda or bee balm plant. It's a kind of mint, and it's these Monardas that draw hundreds of fritillaries to this area. Fritillaries are those big orange butterflies that you see flitting and zigzagging around as you're hiking. Some people mistakenly call them fritillaries because of their flitting flight, but it's actually a fritillary was the name for a Roman dice cup that had white spots on the side. And most of our fritillaries have white spots. You know, the birds like to get the butterfly. And when you look at a butterfly, sometimes there's a bird beak bite out of the wings. They get their beak in the wings if they miss. Of course, if they get them, the butterfly's toast. Here's a fritillary on Ron's hand. Ron just picked it up and it has a damaged wing, but it's just gently fanning its wing and perched on his palm. It just tickles slightly on my hairs. If you're just really slow moving and you get close to butterflies, eventually you can just put your finger in front of them and they like the sweat. And they just think of the sweat as another form of nectar. And then you can just hold it on your finger. Now I'm holding this fritillary on my finger and I'm gonna pass it to Ruth Carroll. It's fun to just pass the butterfly and it's very content to do this because we're sweating. It's hot today, <laughs> so she's just going to put her finger in front of it. I hardly feel it at all. It's so light. It looks beautiful on her hand. We've got this bright orange fritillary on Ruth Carroll's hand. Sometimes butterflies are attracted by the sweat on your nose, so you can just hold the butterfly up to someone's nose and it will stay there. She's going to put it on yeah. Shelley's nose now. Oh, oh there it goes. <laughs> to reach this butterfly bower, Drive 3.4 miles up Flagstaff Road and park at Realization Point, which is on your left, directly opposite the Flagstaff Summit turnoff. Steve Jones and Ruth Carol Cushman are co-authors of the Peterson Field Guide to the North American Prairie and Wild Boulder County. A U.S. government study showed that people's favorite time on Friday was between 8.04 and 8.30, specifically on the back end, so that they could listen to KGNU's Sports Talk with Jimmy. Please don't look it up. Hello and welcome to Sports Talk with Jimmy. I am your host, Jimmy Searfoss, coming at you with the best sports show here on KGNU, covering the best news and stories from across the front range here in Colorado. And you know, it's felt like the Colorado Buffaloes haven't left the news headlines since December when they hired head coach Dion Prime Sanders. That brought national attention to the Buffaloes that hasn't happened since the 90s. Everyone was talking about the Buffaloes. And now people are once again talking about the Buffaloes. And that's because last week they made just as big a news, no pun intended, as they announced they will be moving from the Pac-12 Conference to the Big 12 Conference. For those unfamiliar, College athletics are divided up into conferences, with the biggest five being the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Pac-12, and the ACC. Originally, way back in the day, Colorado had been part of the Big 12, dating all the way back to 1948 until 2010. Then they left for the Pac-12 in 2011. Now, they're back in the Big 12. There were a few reasons for the move. The finances were the biggest deal between the two conferences. The Pac-12 had been struggling to come to a deal to find a TV provider to show their games for the upcoming athletic seasons and the Big 12 had already signed a deal with ESPN and Fox. 
With this, the school like Colorado would get more guaranteed money than they would playing in the Pac-12. In this new conference, Colorado will be making more money through TV deals and will go from playing teams like Oregon, USC, UCLA, and Washington to teams like Oklahoma State, TCU, Central Florida, and Houston. Obviously, this is going to affect every single athletic program here at Colorado, and people cannot stop talking about how the football team and the basketball team will fare in the conference. But for some reason, I haven't heard a lot about one of Colorado's most successful teams in the last few years, the women's basketball team. They're coming off one of the biggest seasons in Colorado basketball history that took them to the Elite Eight. And guess what? A lot of their biggest playmakers are coming back next season. Not to mention head coach J.R. Payne just got an extension to stick around for a few more years. The Pac-12 is an absolute Darwinian conference with a brutal list of teams inside of it. The way women's basketball tends to work, the best teams tend to stay up at the top for a while. Teams like Stanford, Utah, UCLA, USC, Washington State, Arizona, all of those teams made the NCAA March Madness tournament last year, including Colorado. A Boulder Daily Camera article by Pat Rooney pointed out that the Pac-12 has had 10 Final Four appearances since Colorado had joined the conference in 2011. The strength of schedule playing in the Pac-12 is intense. And even with the tough teams, Colorado has been very successful in the conference, especially in the last few years. Now with the move to the Big 12, their schedule just got a lot easier. Don't get me wrong, the teams are decent in the Big 12, but they're not the Pac-12. The best teams in the Big 12 are Texas and Oklahoma, who are actually also moving conferences over to the SEC by the time Colorado gets into the Big 12 in 2024. Outside of those teams, only Oklahoma State, Baylor, and West Virginia made the tournament in the last year, and they were all seventh seeds or worse. If I am Coach Payne and the Buffaloes, I will be very, very excited for this move because Colorado has the opportunity to enter the Big 12 as a women's basketball powerhouse. And that is just about all the time I got for you here on Sports Talk with Jimmy. Make sure you tune in next week at this same time for more. This has been Sports Talk here on KGNU. Time now for .org, spotlighting the work of local nonprofits and co-ops. This week, .org spoke with Jenna Clinchard, Executive Director of Rise Against Suicide. Rise Against Suicide's mission is really removing financial and social barriers to mental health care, and specifically in our case for youth that are struggling with suicidal ideation. When we say financial barriers, it's not just if a child doesn't have insurance or if they have some sort of insurance, but maybe the family can't afford the deductible, or if the family has insurance, but they can't get in to see a therapist for three to six months. What we know is that kids that are suicidal cannot wait three to six months to be seen by a therapist. So that's where Rise Against Suicide fills that gap. So really we've tried to break barriers down for every person that's involved with that young person that needs help so we can get them help within 24 to 72 hours. We help all kiddos that live in Boulder County, all young people, 19 and younger, that live in the area of BVSD and live in the area of St. Rain Valley School District. See you if there are 18 and 19 year olds and 17 year olds that need help, we'll serve them as well. Our services 
are offered in a very easy manner. We don't have a lot of paperwork that families need to fill out. A young person, 12 or older, if they don't have support of their family, can sign for their own mental health, be seen by one of our licensed and insured therapists. And a child can also, if they need to be seen within 24 to 72 hours, we make that happen. We're really here to listen and we're here to help. And we're here to listen to the parents that may need someone to listen to them because we understand that it's scary when their child is suicidal. We're here to listen and help and support and get people through this time that's really, really scary. I think sometimes kids and people in general may feel like they aren't heard. And what's important is that we want people to know that we do listen to them and we do hear their needs. And if a parent calls me and says, I see this gap in mental health in our community, at Rise Against Suicide, we're partners with a lot of other organizations in the community that we can take that somewhere and say, hey, um, I know we don't offer this, but do you offer this? Or is this something that we could partner together to offer to strengthen the mental health resources in our community. NAMI, Boulder County, they offer parent groups so parents can come together and feel less alone. NAMI does serve 18 and older though, so they don't serve youth. That's important to know, but they're a great organization and they do wonderful work here in our community. And like I said, offer a lot of groups. And I think groups are so important because they make us feel less alone. Like as a parent, when our child is suicidal, we feel like nobody else is experiencing this. But the truth is a lot of kids are experiencing this in our community. And so it's okay to reach out for help and ask for help. Right now, that connection is so important. During COVID, we lost that connection. And we think that's part of the challenge, why we're seeing this massive demand for mental health and why we're in a mental health crisis is because we've lost connection and we need to find that connection again. So if a young person doesn't necessarily want to talk on the phone, they can also text talk to 38255 and they can text back and forth with someone and it's a confidential text line and a trained counselor is at the other end that's available 24 7 when a young person is referred to rise against suicide they are connected with one of our licensed and insured therapists all of our therapists are licensed through the state it's a requirement by us and our therapists have to have at least three years minimum working with suicidal youth. If you want to learn more about Rise Against Suicide or you know a young person that needs help or you want to donate, please go to riseagainstsuicide.org and we have all that information there and my phone number is on there too so you can call me. For KGNU, I'm Steve Miller. You've been listening to .org, KGNU's weekly look at local nonprofits. For more .orgs or for more information on this episode, visit news.kgnu.org. Thanks to Alexis Kenyon, Poor Zhejiangki, Jamie Searfoss, Jackie Sedley, Jacob Agatson, Shelley Schlender, and Benita Lee for their work on today's show. 
Stay tuned for Connections. And that's after these news headlines from the BBC.